1: As they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
3: We were running some errands and uh, we were in a new section of the city that we weren't really familiar with. And we drove by this one business, a big sign out front. Uh, It's called Adult Toy Storage.
2: I said, that's hilarious. Yeah. And you were like, oh my gosh, yes. And it wasn't until later on in the day that we discovered that you actually thought it was storage for...
3: Like sex toys. Yeah. like if You're
2: like, no, it's for RVs.
3: (laughs) I looked it up and went, holy shit, it's RVs and boats and stuff. Yeah. I was thinking it would be like a place for somebody to store their life-size sex doll so that if they die, people won't find it under their bed. Apparently that's a business model yet to be explored, but I think I'm onto something here. Oh yeah,
2: absolutely.
3: You have to have some sort of a, almost like a two key entry system, like the nuclear codes. You can't, <laughs> you can't open it unless you have a verification of some sort.
2: Four wheelers, oh, what a bummer. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> Yeah, we're learning our way around. What are you gonna do?
2: Um, so what do you have for me today, my love?
3: besides an exciting franchising opportunity.
2: (laughs) Hey, girl boss.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, they were married for 23 years. Who was? Herb and Julie Baumeister. Now, Julie started saying that her husband, Herb, was acting a bit off. This was
2: 1994. (laughs) It was bitten sort of off. off.
3: Now, it... It's not as if Herb wasn't strange anyway. He'd been strange all along, but something changed in 94.
2: It's like if I said, uh, suddenly, my husband's weird. (laughs) People would be like... Mm, suddenly, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Or... Well, this guy was beyond weird. Okay. People remember him when he was young, and he would, you know, he would tell extremely lewd jokes in inappropriate places. Okay, um, okay. no
2: sense of like social normities. No,
3: there was a story where he once uh, he got in trouble with a teacher, and when she left the room, he went to the front of the class and peed on her desk. Oh, geez. And he would play with uh, roadkill.
1: Okay.
2: Had yeah. he had a frontal lobe injury?
3: <laughs> Julie would later say that uh, in the 23 years that they were married, they had only had sex six times. and that, wow, wow. Yeah. And that was just enough to produce three children. Herb's family said that even as a child, he was extremely antisocial. In his teens, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. But even though he had the diagnosis
2: was he treated
3: he was never treated okay and he never sought treatment at one point early in their marriage things had gotten extremely strange and Julie agreed with herb's father that herb should be institutionalized for a month this was for just for depression okay not schizophrenia okay now, Herb was a sharp guy, he was extremely intelligent and there was this underlying hope from his friends and his family that he would uh, pull it together. He had always been a very hard worker. In fact, he built and owned a successful chain of thrift stores and he had moved his family into a $1 million, 11,000 square foot mansion on 18 acres an entire estate in Westfield, Indiana. He named it Fox Hollow Farm.
2: Oh, that sounds nice. It's not. Oh. It's
3: not, though. <laughs> okay. But again in 1994, Herb seemed to be acting more strange than usual, and Julie was becoming extremely concerned.
2: What kind of unusual? Well, she started
3: mm, right about the time her son came in the house holding a human skull. Mm. Warning sign, apparently he'd been playing in the woods around their house, and he found a human skull right there. Well, that there.
2: sounds like her kid has some stuff going on.
3: Yeah, well, maybe at first she thought. Of course, Julie said, uh, well, where the hell did you get the human skull? Sure. He actually took her into the woods, and there was a pile of bones. Oh. Now, again, Herb was an intelligent guy, almost too intelligent. He He was... Extremely manipulative. And like many predators, it's very likely that he groomed his family to protect him. So whenever they had concerns or whenever red flags would be raised, even finding a human skull in your yard, they would go to him for the explanation. Of course. And not law enforcement.
2: Right, because so often manipulators will teach you that they're the only ones you can trust.
3: Yes, they alone can fix it. So she asked him about the bones. She said, hey, Herb, what's the deal? There are skeletal remains over by the bay window. And uh, his explanation was that he got them from his late father. His late father had been an anesthesiologist. And he claimed that his dad had given him a a medical skeleton as a gift.
2: And he's just stored it in the backyard in a pile?
3: Yeah, well, in the woods, but yes, uh, there was no explanation as why he decided to store it out there in the yard.
2: That's not, no. Yeah. We don't put patriarchal gifts in the forest.
3: (laughs) Words to live by. Well. He didn't explain why he decided to, to keep the, this gift from his father in the woods. And uh, Julie never asked.
2: Well, I know uh, my dad made me a beautiful wooden box and uh, wood burned my name cat on Aww. the top of it. And it's quite lovely. And I keep it in the alley between Orange County Correctional Facility <laughs> and a Publix. We live in a great neighborhood. So it's where I store that.
3: So Julie didn't uh, question it. Uh, and, and people that knew Julie at the time, what they didn't know was that she was a victim of spousal abuse. People thought she was just silly Aww. or gullible. The reality is uh, probably she felt it was just the the safest option for her and her kids to just Got not it. press the issue.
2: Yeah. Just keep the peace.
3: Yes. Julie's strategy seemed to be to keep to herself and keep the kids away from herb as much as possible and over the last few uh, summers leading up to 1994 she would spend the summers with the children at the family's condo which was near a lake about a hundred miles away and she left herb to quote focus on the business back at the westfield house
2: that's the great advantage of having money
3: (laughs) (laughs) i guess yeah (laughs) it was during this time that several gay men and boys started disappearing from the Indianapolis area. Law enforcement had no idea what was going on. No clues, no leads in the case. It wasn't until one guy came forward to police and said that he had had a violent sexual encounter with a wealthy man whose name was Brian Smart. Brian Smart was, in fact, her bowmeister.
2: Well, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone the police
3: began investigating Herb and they contacted Julie uh, to get permission to search Fox Hollow Farm while Herb was away Mm -hmm. because he was at the condo for a few weeks. okay. And uh, she said no. What? It It took them five months.
2: Oh, Julie. To
3: convince Julie to let them search the house. So Herb goes to the condo for a little while and in a period of two weeks, during the search and investigation, police found hundreds of human bones. Oh. Police were only able to identify eight victims, but at least three more bodies were found that were not identified. Herb knew something was up.
2: Due to all of his murdering
3: or? Well, I think that, uh, you know, when you pull into your driveway and there's flashing blue lights, uh, I don't know if it was that dramatic, but by that time, the police had issued an arrest warrant for Herb Baumeister. Uh, but he vanished. He was missing for over a week. And then a body was found at a campsite near the water in Canada. And it was Herb. He left a three-page suicide note. He blamed stress oh, yeah. from his marriage mm-hmm. and stress from running the business for sure. his suicide. Oh. But he did not mention anything
2: about the multiple murders about
3: being the serial killer of gay men yeah didn't mention that that had nothing to do with it so stressed out police closing in on him it was just no that was not it at all law enforcement based on the condition of the bodies believe that herb could also be responsible for at least an additional other nine murders of men whose bodies were found along i-70 Uh, during the late 80s into the 90s. Unfortunately, many of these victims still to this day remain unidentified.
2: Oh, that's awful.
3: So once this all happened, um, what was left of the Bomeister family decided Fox Hollow Farm was not for them. So they moved out and they never returned. Rumors began to circulate that the house remained haunted by spirits of the men whose bodies had been hidden there.
2: You know, normally I'm like, meh, bull hockey. Mm. Uh, but I, I mean, maybe.
3: There's some concern that there are still bodies there that have not been discovered. Oh, jeez. And if you were wondering if they're able to sell the house, yes, they were. In fact, the couple who bought the home claims that they have seen spirits of dismembered bodies in their home and near the woods. One man who lived on the property said, quote, There are places in my house my wife doesn't like to go. They make the hair on the back of her neck stand up.
2: I'm sorry. If there were places in my house that I didn't like to go, it wouldn't be our house anymore.
3: That's how I feel too, sweetie. As you can imagine, the entire estate has been investigated by countless paranormal groups as well as being featured on several uh, ghost hunter TV shows. I I did see a documentary. uh, It was a a few years ago. It was pretty interesting. It was called The Haunting of Fox Hollow Farm. I think it's available on Prime or something like that. That
2: does sound familiar. It's
3: really well done. You know, it's a ghost hunter show, but it's it's well-researched and some pretty compelling evidence on video. Could it be? The current owners uh, have talked a great deal about the experiences that they've had in this house. Uh, The current owner says that most of the activity takes place in the pump room and the pool area, which is inside the house in the basement. He had a a heated pool in the basement. He also says that there is a lot of activity in what was the bar area downstairs.
2: Wait, I think I remember seeing this.
3: You may have.
2: Were there mannequins at his pool parties
3: yeah 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 that's the guy
2: creepy yep
3: and there's been a great deal of activity uh in the garage up over the garage in what was the caretaker's apartment or an in-law apartment okay that guy says he always sees things he describes as shadow figures but never straight on just in the periphery of the eyes he never sees anything straight on. He's had experiences where people have touched his arm, but when he turned around there would be nobody there. Even though hundreds, hundreds of bones have been found at Fox Hollow Farm, there are still several skulls missing. The current owner says no one's looking for them, and he's certainly not.
2: I'm sorry. That's how I would spend my every day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, just out there with a spade and a tarp.
2: Looking for skulls.
3: Uh-huh. I'm a skull hunter. Actually, I would, too.
2: Well, yeah. One, you want to make sure that these bodies find rest, you know, like proper yeah. rest. Two, you don't want them on your property, right? Is, is it just me? I would 100% be hunting for these.
3: Oh, absolutely.
2: Plus, yeah. I always wanted to be an archaeologist, so...
3: I would be trying to give them some sort of eternal rest so that they wouldn't haunt me.
2: is that true, too? Yeah, that true, too. English, Katrina.
3: The current owner has wondered if... Uh, okay, so <laughs> here's something interesting. The rest of the property because it was like 18 acres, Mm -hmm. over the years has been subdivided and sold off as house lots. Sure. The current owner has wondered if uh, the people buying the house lots even know what might be lying beneath their lawn. Oh. Because there are. It's a fact that several of the skulls were never recovered. Uh, Who knows if there are even more. And people are just, you know, buying the land and building houses.
2: Isn't there some sort of...
3: Disclosure laws or... Yes, that's it,
2: exactly what I was looking there
3: for. There must be something. Yeah. And, and it is such a well-known crime in yeah. the area. Everybody knows about this, obviously. sure. Um, you would be, I think, quite surprised to learn that uh, somebody bought the place and didn't know about it. Mm. Herb Baumeister, he seems nice. And now, that thing in the middle. In 1915, an English barrister named Cecil Chubb went to an auction. He was looking for something special to buy for his wife. He ended up buying Stonehenge for 6,600 pounds. That's right, Stonehenge was sold at an auction. Cecil raced home and excitedly told his wife what he had bought for her. Her response? I would have preferred a nice set of kitchen chairs. So three years later, Cecil gave Stonehenge to the nation, saying, I became the owner of it with a deep sense of pleasure. But it's been pressed upon me that the nation would like to have it for its very own.
1: If this podcast were at Costco or Sam's Club, you'd get scads of podcasts at once for a dollar. But they'd come shrink-wrapped on big pallets and block your driveway. And you'd grow to hate us. There's a reason we upload these babies one at a time. This is The Box of Oddities.
3: This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca.
2: And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them.
3: At checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer.
0: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Pyles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds—personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth.
3: Get a message from Lonnie who says, all caps, major boo effect story. Just now, I was listening to one of your podcasts, as I do almost every day. You were talking about explaining the significance and theories surrounding the 11-11 phenomena. Mm. I was also scrolling through Facebook Marketplace, as I often do in the middle of your 11-11 discussion. The next three ads in a row all had a price listed at eleven eleven.
2: What?
3: Now it's not uncommon to see that as a price because it's required to list something for sale. you have to put a price in, so oftentimes people will just type one one, one one, but it was still pretty freaky. <laughs> I never knew of this eleven eleven phenomena until your um discussion, so I found the whole thing bizarre to see three ads in a row with the price listed at that exact time as you were talking about it, and to take it further, Kat started mentioning for her she was always seeing the number. 911 regularly. Mm. Well, as I write this, I'm currently on my way north to the destination. I will be getting married in in 2 days on 911. Hope you enjoyed my first boo effect. Thanks, Lonnie.
2: Wow. Uh, I Listen, we've discussed this many times on how we can expand and how we can make this podcast a little bit bit bigger and different and one of the ways that i want to do it very much is by sharing stories like that and making that an episode and calling it the mailbox of oddities but you know whatever it's negotiable um i thought you
3: wanted to call it the inbox of oddities
2: whatever it's either one is fine (laughs) but that's why i think that's so much fun and i just love hearing people's stories and that's all i have to say about that all right
3: well let's do it you want to do it Let's do it.
2: Are you being gross? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I'm talking about the inbox of oddities. Yeah. Okay. Let's throw one out there and see how it goes. Okay. Okay. And in the meantime, speaking of throwing one out there, here's Katrina Walls. Eo Excuse me.
2: Originated in Finland. Uh, the word comes from kanta, which means to bear, and aka, Uh, which means woman it's wife carrying and it has a long history that still lives in amazing competitions today
3: the wife carrying competition
2: that's correct
3: that's a main thing right I mean they do it in Maine it is a a main thing it's a big thing in Maine
2: it sure is
3: it's right up there with the skillet toss and the pig scramble at county fairs.
2: I have an extensive petition to the main board of agriculture <laughs> to ban pig scrambles. Yeah. Um, so if you'd like to join me, it's a terrible thing and it doesn't represent. Okay, but anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about wife carrying. The 2020 wife carrying championship attracted 80 competitors that headed to the small town of Shonkavari in Finland.
3: Shonkavari? Isn't that a sofa we saw at Ikea?
2: Let's take a look at where wife-carrying started. Tales have been passed down of a man named Herco Rosvo Roncaian, a.k.a. Roncaian the Robber. And there are three theories as to the origins. So first, uh, let's call him R.R. for the sake of my pride and his thieves <laughs> were accused of stealing food and women from villages in the area where he lived he would then carry these women on their backs as they ran away second is that it's been said that the men would go to villages near their own to steal other men's wives and then have the men become their own wife hmm. Third is the story that R.R. trained his thieves by carrying big heavy sacks on their back, which then could have eventually evolved into a sport.
3: I like that description much better.
2: Because it doesn't involve kidnapping of females. The first modern-day wife-carrying event was held in Finland in 1992. Foreign contestants were admitted in 1995, which I think is nice of them. The North American Wife Carrying Championship takes place since 1999 at Sunday River Ski Resort in Newry Maine. Now Sunday River, you might know because that's where I do Tough Mountain.
3: Yeah, that's right. It's a uh, it's an obstacle course on the side of a mountain.
2: It's so much fun, and um, it's it's really a great place for these kinds of events because it's not flat land where you have to build all kinds of obstacles like just getting there and moving around is an obstacle
3: right that in and of itself is a challenging competition
2: the australian wife carrying championships have been held annually since 1995. nope since 2005. the united kingdom wife carrying race was established in 2008 And the U.S. Finals takes place on the second weekend of July in Minnesota, where they have contestants from the smaller championships in Wisconsin and Michigan. The North American Championship holds registration spots open for winners of any sanctioned state. And then it becomes open to public registration, which I think is a real opportunity for like a rad style wife carrying championship movie that should have been made 20 years ago. And by 20 years ago, I mean in the eighties and that just made me realize how old I am. Oh (laughs) my (laughs)
3: God. You were thinking of like over the top kind of movie.
2: The eighties will never not be 20 years ago for me. What is wrong with my brain? (laughs) Yes, I was thinking over the top or rad Mm -hmm. or electric boogaloo gleaning the cube the wraith anyway not that's that wasn't a competition it doesn't matter anyway the winner of the wife carrying championship brings home the wife's weight in beer and five times her weight in cash oh which is pretty great uh, but then you really have to balance the difference between how much of your wife's weight you want to be carrying sure. and how much cash you want to win.
3: See, that answers a question that I had not yet asked. I was going to ask if there were different weight divisions. Like, Nope. Nope. Okay. So the the size of your prize is based on the size of your wife. Correct. Okay.
2: Now, the North American rules start with that the teammates are not required to legally be married. So it doesn't even have to be your wife, even.
3: That's false advertising.
2: Now, the regional rules can vary from the world's rules. But, of course, if you make your way to the world event, then you have to abide by their rules. Helmets are not required for the carried competitor in the regional games but in the world games that does require a helmet the only special equipment allowed to be worn by the carrier is a belt which is optional unless of course the, this is the caveat there's no minimum weight for the female competitors in the regional races but the worlds do set a weight limit of 49 kilograms or 108 pounds. All right And that weight has to be made up in difference by way of weighted belts. Okay all
3: right now so I- if
2: you're a tiny baby person, you can you can still play. you just have to wear a real heavy belt.
3: Uh-huh. Okay all right that makes sense.
2: I had a very heavy belt once, and I feel like it kind of defeated the purpose of wearing a belt.
3: Because it actually pulled your pants down? Yes. Yeah. That was the bane of my existence in the 70s. Belts? The big, heavy leather strap of a belt, yes.
2: Oh, right. Because you didn't have much going on as far as shape. No ass.
3: No ass and a heavy belt. Right.
2: Which is bizarre, because now you are like all kinds of dumb truck.
3: (laughs) Yep, I still need a belt though.
2: Competitors must wade through a neck-deep pool of water, climb over hurdles, and run through pits of sand before crossing the finish line. See, this part sounds very much like Tough Mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember they had snowmakers blowing snow at us. Shut up. Which in July was horrible. Then, of course, you have to climb the mountain and there are, you know, barricades that you have to jump over. And then there are pools of water that you have to like wade through or uh, flip upside down and use a net to kind of pull yourself through. And it's gross because, you know, everyone pees in it. Anyway, (laughs) several types of carrying may be practiced. The classic piggyback. A fireman's carry, which we understand, you right, you can picture that. Piggyback right. is yeah. standard, right? Sure. And then fireman's carry is over one shoulder. Mm-hmm. Or the Estonian style, which is the wife upside down on the back with her legs over the neck and shoulders okay. of the man. So he, right. she's kind of like face down, ass up. Right. Um
3: it's a good thing that they don't have to, like, jump over logs and stuff while doing that. Can you just imagine, like, carrying her a stonia There are style? a lot
2: of jumping that has to happen.
3: Well, what about the, do they, do the wives hit their heads?
2: That's why some places they have to wear helmets.
3: <laughs> okay. All right. Sure. It's all making sense now. I get
1: it.
2: But if you aren't in a position to wife carry, but you still want to partake in this event, no, not to worry there are lots of events for the crowd. There are karaoke competitions, music and activities for the kids. There are dance parties at night. There's a tractor parade. Um, And while competitors are uh, paraded around with flags and fanfare, oftentimes displaying amazing costumes.
3: As thrilling as a tractor parade sounds, I think that I would I would really enjoy the whole wife-carrying part more. I think that that's really, without doubt, the... Uh,
2: I don't know how successful we would be at this event, sweetheart. W- I love you. Oh, you mean... But I'm very heavy.
3: No, you're not. You could carry me, though. You're yeah, much stronger. that's true. You could just carry me.
2: I think I'd go Estonian. Would you? Yeah.
3: And then jump over a bunch of logs?
2: I mean... You've got a life insurance policy. Oh, man, that's going to come to haunt me. Um, Anyway, there's also, of course, commentary by uh, not a DJ, but a, you know, like a master of of ceremony, if you will. Yes. um, Who's providing play by play, if you will. So spectators can't miss a thing. But at the Worlds, there is seating encircling the entire obstacle course, which measures about 253.5 meters in total or 830 feet ish so there's excellent viewing for all the crowd plus there's a beer terrace throughout the festival which has wife-carrying themed beer drinking events
3: well you had me at tractor parade i know but uh beer terrace i'm in
2: wife-carrying beer Wife-carrying-themed beer-drinking events. <laughs> what can that even mean?
3: I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm champing at the bit to find out.
2: Is it champing? I believe so. That's fine. I mean, I believe you. <laughs> I thought it was chomping. Is it like nip it in the butt versus nip it in the bud?
3: Maybe. Now I'm questioning myself. If you're impatient or eager to do something, we use a metaphor with a horse, and the horse is doing something with a bit. It's known as champing at the bit, but most people say chomping.
2: Okay, so it is bud versus butt.
3: Yep, I've, I've heard, heard it, it both, both ways. ways.
2: There's even a Team wife carrying relay, which three men raced using one wife as a baton.
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So they're just passing the wife around. Yes, yes. Okay.
2: Now, there's only one category in the World Championships, and the winner is the couple who completes the course in the shortest time. But there are also most entertaining couple best costume strongest carrier they might be awarded a special secondary prize kind of thing
3: a participation trophy if you will
2: um and i think that winning uh, best costume at a wife carrying championship is just as good as winning a wife carrying championship personally Well,
3: you're all about the costumes. You always have been.
2: Yeah. Anyway, my favorite rule of the wife-carrying championships in Finland is that all participants must enjoy themselves, (laughs) which I think is a very Finnish kind of rule, don't you? (laughs) I, I
3: love it. Do you have to sign an agreement? (laughs) you uh, as a participant and or spectator agree to enjoy oneself
2: well i think it's more of a consent kind of thing like um maybe maybe it's just the way that i understood it but i don't think that um they want people to be involuntarily carried (laughs) okay all
1: right
2: you're very small i will (laughs)
3: yeah no i don't participate in that i no (laughs) (laughs)
2: Anyway, um, it's great fun. And if you have a chance to carry someone or to be carried at a wife carrying championship, I highly recommend.
3: As always, we love our patrons. Thank you so much for uh, for supporting us and helping us to add new content, and expand the box of oddities. We've got some exciting things coming up. We just did our first Zoom call with uh, with the patrons over the past weekend.
2: And welcome to our new patrons, Amber and Julia. So glad that you've joined us.
3: And if you would like to become a patron, join the Order of Freaks, theboxofoddities.com.
2: All kinds of benefits, including uh, ad-free episodes, episodes a day early, interaction with us on, on Patreon.
3: Also, we have a live show coming up. It's uh, a month away. We're, we're just a few weeks away from it. it uh, it's our Halloween show live in New York City, our first New York City show.
2: Very excited about it at Caveat in Manhattan.
3: We would love to have you join us. Tickets are available. Uh, If you can't join us, if you're not in the greater metropolitan New York area, and I said that just because it sounded cool, Mm -hmm. uh, you can stream it live online, same place, go to theboxofoddities.com, you can get your live tickets. And or your streaming tickets, and we are just so excited about this.
2: Yeah, it's been almost two years since we've done a live <laughs> event, so uh, we're very excited slash terrified.
3: People often have come to us and said, "Why do you do your shows at comedy clubs so often?" Mm. Uh, your show, it's you know, it can be kind of dark and morbid, and our response has always been, "There is nothing more hilarious than watching two people with social anxiety disorder try to put on a." <laughs> (laughs) live show, especially in New York. This ought to be really interesting after, like you said, nearly two years of Mm -hmm. not doing live shows. It's like doing it for the first time all over again in the biggest city we've ever done it. Come watch us fail. Yay! Theboxofoddities.com Get your tickets there. And we'll see you next time.
2: Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
1: Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. TheBoxOfOddities.com. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. The
2: 2020 Wife Carrying Championship attracted 80 competitors that headed to the small town of shit. Son... I shouldn't have started drinking with all this fucking finish.
0: Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.
2: Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your the neighbourhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical
1: mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been
0: misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.